Hello, and welcome to the Television Spotlight on the Comic Book Page podcast. My name is John May. In this episode, we'll be having a spoiler-filled discussion about a television show that we think you'll enjoy. In this episode, I'm joined by my sister Kay, and we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion on the first season of Obi-Wan Kenobi, the Disney Plus Star Wars series. Six episodes. Overall, I liked it. There are a couple of things here and there that didn't have me kind of kind of wondering, because this is set 10, 15 years before Star Wars, mm-hmm. thereabouts. And there was a lot of Princess Leia in this, and I never really got the sense... In the first Star Wars movie that was released, which would be the fourth in the saga numbering. Yeah. Yeah. She obviously was aware of General Kenobi, but it seemed more friend of the father, not somebody she'd personally met. I don't think this violated anything they established, but it gives a different relationship between the two, I think. I remember the message being, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're our only hope. Yes. Um, But I, I thought it also had a, my father said if I needed help to call on you sort of a deal. Like she hadn't remembered this event 15 years later or something, which is entirely possible and would make sense. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, honestly, the Obi-Wan Kenobi, Your Only Hope was really the part that, you know, because it played yes. a thousand times. Yes. It stuck in my brain. Well, I was thinking after we started watching this that really to get the full effect, we should have, and we didn't have the time, but we, we could have and should have, watched the original trilogy, watched this, and then watched the first Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Just to kind of put it all together. Yeah. Because really, I mean, you could argue the rest of the original trilogy too to get Darth's full saga and all of that. And we got a lot of Darth Vader here too. Well, I felt like they were trying to give us how Leia became the Leia we met in the original mm-hmm. movie. Definitely backstory on her. And she was always the more put-together twin, if you will. Oh, absolutely. You know, and here, over the course of these six episodes, and certainly in the earlier ones more, we got this sense that whether she knew it or not, she was tapping into the Force. She seemed to be more perceptive than the average. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because, I mean, obviously they're twins. Yes. But particularly in that original uh, trilogy and such, she always seems a good couple of years older than him. Yeah. You know, and the way she's here, I mean, they're both 10 or whatever. He's a kid. She's uh, an adult in training almost. Yes. Yeah. Part of that is the upbringing. Definitely. So I did find that interesting. There was an aspect of Princess and the Pop. Yes. Yes, definitely. Well, it's funny because... Out of all the Star Wars live action stuff we've gotten, so excluding the animated computer animated shows, they're the furthest we've gotten from the the Skywalker saga would probably be the Mandalorian, and it's fairly adjacent. Yeah, this is exactly a Star Wars TV show that we all would have imagined we wished we could have gotten or whatever when the original trilogy was coming out. Jedi's and lightsabers, check droids yeah not many but yeah check you know again we've got obi-wan we've got luke we've got leo we've got darth Mm -hmm. you know sure we don't have 
Han and Chewie, or C three. Well, we we technically got C three PO ever so briefly in one scene. I think in the first episode, there was one or two places there was an R two unit in the background, but we never got R two himself. Yeah. But really, aside from those two, it's literally Star Wars yeah. in TV form. Now, granted, they're a bunch younger at this point, but overall, I thought they did a, a fairly good job with this. I still think Mandalorian is a better show in many respects. Well, okay, first of all, first season of Mandalorian and what we have here of Obi-Wan are strikingly similar in story. Mm-hmm. Because we have a child that we have to return. Yes, somebody's got to protect the youngling, get them home. Yeah, they've been taken. You, you know, until you said it that way, I hadn't really, I was like, where is she going with this? It's like, yeah, you, you've got it. Exactly. And once that dawned on me, I was like, is that why I'm feeling like this isn't offering me something new, something groundbreaking? And like you were just saying, it's so many familiar characters. And yes, they're, I don't want to say filling a hole, but you know what I mean? As you said, giving us backstory. And there's a lot of interesting and entertaining stuff here, but... But there's also things they couldn't do here because of the familiar faces. When we got the fight between Obi-Wan and Darth, we're both sitting here thinking, well, we know they're both going to live. Yes. I actually asked you, how can this fight end? Nobody can die. Well, and I told you at one point, this is how it's going to end. Yes. We're going to get Obi-Wan swinging. It's going to crack the helmet. It's, you know, and that's kind of where the fight's going to going to go to. And sure enough, like 30 seconds, a minute later or whatever, boom, we're right there. Yeah. You know, and I don't say that as a to indicate it's like a bad thing or something. It's we know what happened later. Yeah. We'd seen Anakin out of the helmet at the tail end of, of the, the end of the original trilogy. He had a scar, some stuff like that. It implied a, a lightsaber, you know, hit and such that it's like, okay, this must be where it's from. And it makes sense. It works. It fits into the overall continuity. But there's also an aspect of they end this season with the stories, I don't say unfinished, because they finished this story they were telling. But the overall story of these characters is very undone because, I mean, we've all seen, I was going to say, we've all seen the original trilogy and not everybody on the planet has. Yeah. I get this. It took you years, if not <laughs> decades, to go see it. Yes. I remember you actually mentioning that to Mark Hamill himself at Comic-Con one year. Yes. Yes. He Well, he gave me a pep talk to see it because I did see one of the original three in the theater. But I was like three or four years old and fell asleep. And I think I deserve to be forgiven, given I was three or four years old. And then friends in college who were massive fans said, you know, come over, we'll show it to you. And they put the videotape in, which again, dates the story. Then they lower the volume all the way on the TV. And you've got one friend on one side of the TV, another friend on the other side of the TV, and they're doing the dialogue. So I've got two memorable viewings of the original trilogy. One was in college, two of my friends, and I went to, it was here in Austin, Texas, the Paramount Theater downtown, where they did an all-day showing of the original trilogy. So in the theater, and this was, you know, years after the fact, so it was awesome, it was great. But then there was another one when they were doing the uh, special editions. Mm -hmm. I forget which, it had to be the second or third, probably the second of them. 
uh, one of those same college buddies was out to visit us in, I think, either it was San Diego or we were back here. I forget exactly where the story took place. Anyways, we're at the theater. He was sitting to my left. To my right, a couple of seats over and a row back was a father and his kids. And the father was doing the, here's the dialogue right before it happens. The kids are like, wow, how do you know? You know. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, this is so annoying. Shut the hell up. Yeah. You know, I get you're trying to show off for your kids, but I'm trying to enjoy the film. And I mentioned that to my, my buddy, who is a hardcore Star Wars fan. And he's like, man, you should have mentioned that to me. I'd have gotten up, gone behind him, and done it a second or two before the father. And he's one of the few I think could have actually done that. He's actually since worked on some of the Star Wars online games. And he knows his Star Wars stuff. And there are people that, I mean, I'm a fan of Star Wars. I am not a I've memorized the scripts sort of fan of really anything. Yeah. So, I mean, I applaud the people who've got that kind of both memory, affection for the the material, and you watch it a few billion times, it's going to sink in. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, going back to the Obi-Wan, you're our only hope. Yeah. Again, that line got so much use in that one movie that, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, when I was getting Mark Hamill's autograph for my friends who had done the We'll Give yeah. You the Dialogue. And I was telling, he asked, you know, basically, why don't you want one for yourself? And I'm like, it's not that I don't want one for myself. It's that I know you're not doing many, and these friends are diehard fans. Yeah, yeah. we and, respect your time. Yeah, yeah, and I haven't actually seen the trilogy. So he gave me a pep talk about, you know, here's why people rave about it. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, the effects were really good for the time. Yep. And I thought, you know, the realism he had in terms of, here we were at that point 20 years later. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, you know, don't go into it looking for amazing modern special effects because that's not what it is. Well, it was for the, the 70s. Time. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it was groundbreaking at the time, but you look at it 10, 20, 30, what are we at now? 40 years later. 40 you know, years later. But yeah. even in those intervening decades and such. The reason it looks, the original version of it looks dated at those points and today and such is because ILM in particular, but other companies as well, kept pushing the bar. Yeah. And I think a lot of that was because of Star Wars. It was so inventive, so amazing, so groundbreaking that it really opened the doors to what could be done. In other movies, you know, The Last Starfighter, The Matrix, to name a few, continued to push the bar. You look at the other Star Wars films and such, and again, you're getting totally CG characters in a live-action film mm-hmm. as if they're physically there. Yeah. You know? And again, uh, an amazing job on that. And then to, to get to the point where we can take a movie set a little before, you know, the original trilogy and do it, granted, on a high, but on a TV budget. Yeah. I mean, certainly I'm not going to claim any of the Star Wars or Marvel you know, Disney Plus shows are on a low budget by any stretch. They're not. I mean, they're they're getting yeah. movie money thrown at them. But we're also getting movie effects and quality out of it, too. Well, it's interesting because for the most part, I thought the effects were really good in this. But in the finale episode, there were some scenes where they were doing the space battle stuff. And it was like they were torn between trying to have the ships like we recognized them from the first trilogy of movies. But with the modern quality of effects and everything. I do think they were fighting 
how real do we make these look? If we make them look too real, it won't feel like the old stuff. If we do the old stuff, it won't feel like modern effects. Yeah. And I feel I feel they hit a good balance. They they did. But it did feel like that was on their mind. Yeah. Yeah. There were moments when I was like, this isn't quite back then or now. This is somewhere in between. And it was just catching my eye because I was like, this isn't what I'm used to. Well, again, these are the characters and settings that we were used to physical models in miniature with real explosions and all of that for the effects and stuff. And this was done all digitally to the point, not just of the space battles and such, but I don't know if you caught in the end credits that Stagecraft. Mm -hmm. Stagecraft is just some mind-blowing effects technology where you are in a soundstage. It's got a almost 360 set of screens. Oh, wow. And they are shooting such that, and I, I watched a YouTube video on it. It's fascinating. And they're like, okay, we're going to have you and Owen and Baru's subterranean house or whatever's in the background. Okay, so you guys are just going to be standing here. That stuff's projected on the wall. It's all 3D rendered real time. And it's set up as the camera moves, the image moves with it. So you get the perspective and all of that. Wow. To the point that if they're there on, on the virtual set, thinking, oh, yeah, but, you know, really, at this point, you know, Obi-Wan's going to come over. We're going to have him talk to, to Owen. We want to do this camera angle. So it's got to be not where we're shooting, but we need to do it about, you know, uh, 90 degrees off. They literally have a, a, a table or, you know, command console kind of a thing with some of the, the 3D engineers and stuff there. Mm. Oh, 90 degrees off. You want it to be here. This kind of a camera angle. Oh, I don't say a couple of keystrokes later, but... They realign it, suddenly, you know, the whole landscape is shifting behind. They don't even necessarily have to move the camera. Boom, they've got the shot. Amazing. And to be able to do that where you can have, in some cases, some practical, you know, the console that they're flying the ship with, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And everything else is just digitally there. And again, uh, Babylon 5 back in the day did a lot of virtual sets with the technology it had, which was green screen at the time. But to now be doing the green screen effect without the green screen, but just effect, uh, not effectively, but literally projecting the image and then just capturing it in the camera. Yeah. Again, mind-blowing. And I'm not going to claim that you know every shot they had here was, was picture perfect or whatever, but I can't really think of a single one where I'm like, wow, man, that needed some work or that was a little rough or something like that. Yeah. So I think they did a, a terrific job on that. On the various droids, we got the little flying one. Lola? Lola, I think it was. We got the loader droid that I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, and funny. Funny, well done. And it's a guy in a suit, but it's a guy in a really cool looking suit. You know, it, it sold it. Well, what cracked me up was that nobody bothered to make it so that the loader droid could talk or communicate. Mm -hmm. I beg to differ. That loader droid communicated just fine. I would have loved to have seen a scene with him and probably C-3PO. Yes. And the two of them just kind of seeming to have a conversation, even though nothing's really being said. Then having C-3PO go to like somebody like R2, he's just as talkative as you are. You yes. Know, kind of a, yeah. just wouldn't shut up. Thank you for getting me out of there or whatever, you know. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's some fun stuff they could have done. I don't think they were missing anything, though. 
I've got to say, though, that the uh, fake Jedi we meet and see. <laughs> he was throughout, funny. He was hilarious. I honestly didn't expect to see that much of him. And that was blanking on the name. He was in Eternals. He was in Silicon Valley. Kumal Nanjianji or something that like that. That sounds right. I'm butchering his name and I apologize. The guy's doing a great job in multiple things. And he really sold the, I'm a liar, I'm a cheat, I'm a thief kind of a thing. But I give you my word. I know it may not mean much. And, and the only one's like, oh, that's good enough for me. And I'm like, really? Yeah, but he's a Jedi. He knows things. I was half expecting at the end of the credits on the last episode to have a quick scene with this fake Jedi of just, he's back at it. Yeah, yeah. So, again, it was fun. It was six episodes. I don't think any were that, I mean, 50 minutes maybe tops. Yeah. But they didn't feel too short. They didn't feel too long. There were one or two times where it's like, and this is a common problem in Star Wars, where people are bouncing across the galaxy pretty damn fast, Mm -hmm. but okay. And I think they balanced giving backstory and staying within the general continuity as set up by the original trilogy fairly well. I think Obi-Wan had a decent, I, I struggle to call it art, I mean, I guess story, of he was living close enough to be watching over Luke, and then coming to the realization of kind of what role he did or did not need to be playing I think he in had Luke's the arc life. going from very retired Jedi to a now back-in-action-slash-semi-retired Jedi. Yeah. He basically, I don't say lost his way, because I don't think that's right either, but he was out of shape, out of practice, and just kind of resigned to, I am no longer a Jedi. Mm-hmm. And that was absolutely not where he was at the end. Yeah. I think Leia had a good arc. Good arc and great casting. Yes. Yes. I really want to know if they sat that, that girl down in front of the original trilogy and said, that's the character you're going to play. You're at age 10. She's a little older. But that's the attitude, that's the... Yeah. And because she she did a really great job with that. She did, yeah. Well, and there were times when she came across as almost a... She unknowingly taps into the Force and can tell if you're being honest with her or not, if you're hiding something from her or not. And if you treat her with respect and honesty, then you get the same. I think they did a good job of heavily implying she's overly perceptive because of the force, but not flat out stating it or or giving anything to say, well, of course it's the force. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, I think some people would may take the other side of that. Nope, she doesn't have it, but they did a really good job with that. Yeah. So yeah, I was, I was pleased with that. I read an article that said they felt that Darth Vader had an arc. I don't feel like I saw that. Yeah, I I didn't feel he had an arc. I felt Third Sister gave back... He was part of her backstory and she was part of his backstory. Third, third Sister almost had a redemption there at the end. Yes. Or a change of path. And I actually thought Third Sister was going to have a bit of a redemption earlier or mm-hmm. a change of path earlier, which would give her time for a redemption. She's redeemed but left in a incredibly nebulous where does she go from here state yeah now the article i was reading was saying that darth vader's arc through all of this was an internal power struggle if you will 
where Darth Vader is trying to permanently kill off what remains of Anakin Skywalker. I I don't buy that. I didn't feel that. Anakin is Darth. Darth is Anakin. When he says he killed Anakin, it's proverbial, not a literal in any sense. Well, but to me, I didn't really feel that we were seeing a struggle of dark versus light not within the character. I didn't feel like we were seeing Darth Vader being determined to literally physically cut ties of the past and kill the past to somehow free him from what remains of his conscience that came from Anakin. I, I took it as he was going after Obi-Wan because he was really miffed at uh, Obi-Wan for, you know, that whole hack slash thing at the end of the first, uh, the prequel trilogy. Yeah. So, yeah. So if, if there are people on the creative side that feel they gave us either a Darth or an Anakin arc, well, I, mean, I, I feel they could have delivered more to me. I don't know that they could have. And the reason I say that is the prequel trilogy was Anakin's growth and fall to the dark side. Yes. And the whole thing we've heard, I forget where we heard it first, if it's not the flipping of a light switch. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it takes time. But he'd fallen to the dark side. He had become Darth Vader in that set of movies. So if we had seen him becoming more bloodthirsty or something like that, but I mean, we'd already seen that in that trilogy when he was whacking away at the younglings, etc. He's at the dark side. We're not even getting him trying to turn back to the light. After establishing him as Vader, the end of that prequel trilogy, again, we're not seeing him trying to seduce, you know, Obi-Wan over to the dark side or Obi-Wan trying to pull him back to the light or, you know, any kind of a last chance. Is he going to redeem what's going to... I mean, there wouldn't have been a whole lot of point to that because we know how it goes. We know how the original movie starts. Right. So trying to do an arc that way for Darth, I think, is a non-starter. I'm trying to think what arc you could have done. The other thing that fascinated me with, with Darth Vader was the very blatant large print credit for James Earl Jones of The Voice Of. Yes. Now, granted, James Earl Jones is the voice of Darth Vader. Yes. Always has been, quite possibly always will be, phenomenal actor to begin with. Yes. An amazing voice actor in this particular case. His voice would have aged some. And I felt like a lot of the dialogue was stuff from the original trilogy, mm -hmm. just taken a little out of context or, or reused. And because of the, the intonation and the consistency of it, you can do that without losing the emotional meaning or, or switching the emotional context of it. Yeah. Because it's a little devoid of that in a very dark, menacing way. Yeah. I remember when I originally watched this stuff and I was kind of shocked to realize, wait, there's a person in there? Because early on, Darth Vader didn't seem to have a person at the core of the character to me. And I thought maybe it was an android, a robot, or what have you. It very well could have been. I mean, you look at General Grievous and a few others, we've gotten droids that are, are villains and such here. You know, well, and for me, the same went for the Stormtroopers. There was one scene early on when Obi-Wan, I think, first gets to the city where we actually get a clone trooper. The clone troopers were the ones from the prequel trilogy versus the stormtroopers yeah. we get later. 
and I would have actually liked to have seen a little bit more of the clone troopers, because I think most of them would have known General Kenobi. So I think there's some stuff they could do there. A lot of where the clone troopers were used were in those computer animated shows and such of Clone Wars. I'm trying to think. I think there's a Bad Batch one coming out these days. There was Rebels. There was one or two others. I started in on Clone Wars, didn't get all the way through mm-hmm. it, but there's a lot of, of canon from there that they're still pulling in. I mean, uh, Ahsoka yeah. is from the Clone Wars TV show. You know, you were asking kind of a what else could they have done with Vader, given what they chose to do here, which was the Leia and Luke 10-year-old stuff. I actually think it would have been interesting if Vader had found a Force-sensitive eight-year-old, nine-year-old. Well, if he'd taken Third Sister as his Padawan. Yeah. That would have been fascinating. Is Can the student become the master, literally? Yeah. Now, you'd have an issue with that because he would almost have had to keep that from the Emperor because the Sith, the Rule of Two, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But I don't really view Darth Vader as a rule follower. Oh, absolutely not. A rule breaker at a habitual level. I mean, Anakin proved that left, right, and center. Yeah. So it would have made a lot of sense for him to have had a Padawan or whatever the Sith term would have been for that. But having... Third Sister and Inquisitor, those that were fallen Jedi. And here we are, Luke and Leia are 10 years old. Mm -hmm. They're 18-ish, maybe 20 at the time of Star Wars. So maybe 10 years later. And there's a line in the original movie where one of the uh, the people on, uh, I forget if it was the ship, the Death Star, whatever, is basically telling, you know, Vader, you and your ancient religion. Yes, yes. You know, as if nobody believes this stuff anymore. Now, he could have been referring to the Sith and whatnot, but even the Force seems to have fallen out of, of not just favor, but out of like common knowledge. That's where I think Star Wars is awesome. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Yeah. But one of the fundamental things that I just have never wrapped my mind around is how you can have, in that short of a time, that much of a knowledge gap in a world where, and particularly if you read the comics and the books, where they're covering tens of thousands of years, the technology doesn't change. You have droids, hyperdrive, the whole from stem to stern. Yeah. It's this concept that a dictator can declare something is no more, Mm -hmm. it shall never be spoken of again. And the example I learned about from Eastern Europe was when not just Russia, but other countries under the Russian rule, if you will, were told you will no longer celebrate Christmas. Mm. Now it will be Stalin's birthday. But some of these Eastern European countries decided that they would happen to have the festival of the little pine tree. Yeah, it may be called the new thing, but there's still going to be, in some cases, large pockets, some cases, small pockets of the old stuff either repainted to to please the new masters, or just done in secret. Yeah. So while people might not be talking about the Jedi left, right, and center, because that could be unhealthy for them under the Empire, there's still knowledge of it. Yeah. So the stagnation of technology and the rapid change in social political reality. The stagnation of the technology has never bothered me because of how many people we see get killed. When they fail at a minor task. Well, with with the technology stuff in Star Wars, 
other than Anakin who built C-3PO. Mm-hmm. And obviously they people can do minor repairs on moisture farming equipment or what have you. Have we ever had, certainly not in the movies, don't know about the TV shows, more likely to have gotten it in the books or the novels or comics or books. Have we ever had the equivalent of a chief engineer, a scientist, a discoverer, somebody who invented the droids, who invents the hyperdrive, who invents these sorts of things? The technology is there, but nobody seems to really grow it. You know, they, they know how to operate it. They know how to maintain it. They seem to generally understand it, but... We have a fair number of mechanics who can fix ships and put them back together. Mechanics, but not inventors. Right. I was trying to think about Ray's parents and what we learned about them. Depends which movie. Yeah, the second one. I'm trying to remember, because that was one where they were gonna, they were somebody of importance, and then they were nobodies, and then they were, they were the kids of the emperor... I'm trying to remember where they left off on that. That would that whole thing was so back and forth and so yeah convoluted. Somewhere in there, I thought Ray's parents had maybe been like scientists or something. But maybe because there was some cloning I thought involved in that last movie. But I mean, that's the closest I can come. Yeah, I mean, there are doctors, there are scientists, but there's no progress being made. Yeah, and the other thing is there's no mass communication evident in this galaxy. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, wouldn't you have had a little bit more homogenization of language mm-hmm. like we're having on, on, on Earth here? Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying English should be the dominant language, but more and more people are picking it up. It's getting more commonplace. Well, and new words like um, cyberspace, yes. internet, things like that, they aren't being translated for individual languages. But the word is simply the word. Yeah. There are certain words that because tech is very English oriented with programming languages and stuff like that, you get like a blockchain or some other technology. That's just the word for it. Again, cyberspace, like you mentioned, virtual reality and stuff like that. There is not, as far as I know, a common used Japanese or Spanish or whatever equivalent to those terms. They Again, they borrow the English term. Closest I can think of is JPEG, and that's a Japanese picture graphic, and that's why the JPG ending. Does it actually stand for that? Because mm-hmm. I thought it was a proprietary thing. I'd have to look up what it stands for. I, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure okay. that I was, I was not aware of that. I'm not saying you're wrong. Yeah. No, because at one point I was like, why would somebody name a graphic type .jpeg? And they're like, yeah, the J is for Japanese because it was invented in Japan. I know it's corporate owned by some company. I forget who, but yeah, yeah. Interesting. So I'm just not seeing that kind of more people speaking. I mean, every race has their own language. It's still commonly in use. You've got protocol droids and other things for translating and such. Everybody seems to speak five or ten languages. Yeah. And maybe, again, that's just a, a difference of this, this narrative world. It's a very interesting narrative universe in some of those respects. Were there any major places in Obi-Wan where we get an alien and they're rattling off for a while in their language with subtitles. I don't think we got that at all. We had the traitor when we were on Tatooine. But it wasn't subtitles. That's what I was thinking. We got, we understood what he said because of Obi-Wan's responses. Because of the context, yeah. And again, Obi-Wan's speaking multiple languages. Yeah. 
there's, there's certain things that are just fascinating about the Star Wars universe, and I think a lot of it was evident here. I just don't think this had the level of style or, I don't want to say characterization. I mean, it was leaning on previously established characters. It didn't seem to have the shiny newness uh, of either Boba Fett or Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And almost some of the coolness of that. You know, this is the way. Well, and for me, it was hobbled by many aspects of, okay, we know how this ends. We know Princess Leia is going to survive. We know mm-hmm. Obi-Wan's going to survive. We know uh, Darth Vader's going to survive. Yeah. We know Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen survive. I mean, mm-hmm. there's just about nobody that we think died. It could die. Third sister? Because I don't know her from the movies? She... As far as I know, she was original to this, and I don't know if she was or not. I'm assuming she was. I mean, and she reported to fifth brother, which really cracked me up. I still want to know what happened to first and second sister. (laughs) Well, I have votes, but, you know, nobody counts those. The whole Inquisitor thing was just out there, and I'm not saying I needed a full-blown explanation or whatever, but a little context would have been nice. Well, but going back to your doctor's comment. He saw one heck of a doctor after that stomach injury. Well, stomach injuries, as we've seen, not that big of a deal here. No. Well, and we should have expected that because with, what was the character that went from uh, Mandalorian over to Boba Fett? Oh, yes. Yes. I forget her name, but you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. From Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. From Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah. Ming-Na. Yes. She's also been a Disney princess. She's like hit the massive trifecta. Which princess was she? I think she was in Mulan. Ian, but I don't think she was Mulan. I'd have to look. But I was seeing something that was saying she'd hit the trifecta. Oh, that's funny. For doing, you know, the Disney princess thing, for doing Star Wars, for doing Marvel, yeah. She does a great job. She really does. And, I mean, I love the attitude she cops mm-hmm. in Boba Fett and Mandalorian. Yeah. I'm wondering if we're going to get a second season of, of Obi-Wan. If we do... I personally expect Third Sister. I think she could get her own series or show up elsewhere. Agreed. Definitely. I'm just wondering, do we get another Obi-Wan? If so, how soon after this does it come out and how soon after this does it take place? Because I wouldn't put it past them to you know, jump it forward a little bit. Yeah. I am curious what Obi-Wan does now that he's regained his self-confidence mm-hmm. and his mojo. Yeah, back to being a, a Jedi proper. Yeah. Because there was definitely a turning point in the finale where he went from, he's got his powers, but they're not really there, to, yep, he's got them, and he's in control of them. Well, the finale had some interesting points where it's like, I'm screaming at the screen practically, dude, you're mad at the master for not learning the lesson that you are about to show you didn't learn either. Yes. There was one or two places where I'm pretty sure I commented, don't leave him for dead. Leave him dead. Yes, yes. I mean, I know they always say head and chest, but don't just stop at the head when they're still moving. Yeah. 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 But it goes back to we knew certain characters had to survive. Well, and again, when you get the showdown between two of them and you know they both survive. Yeah. Relatively uninjured, you know, 10 years later. Hard to have too much angst or, or or suspense there. You know what would have been hilarious to me, and this is my personal warped sense of humor, is if that fight had gone away, we didn't expect. And then we got, 
I don't know what Jedi that we know is dead kind of doing their glowing ghost thing of create a new timeline you have. No. <laughs> that I'm not saying they couldn't do that in the Star Wars universe, but it rarely gets that sci-fi e. That's true. But we've opened the door to a lot more surprises. Yeah. I think the problem with that sort of thing is pulling Jedi's out like that was kind of done at the end of the final trilogy where they kind of pulled various Jedi's at least thematically if nothing else. Yeah. I was expecting the fake Jedi to be used as a fake out for for Vader. Yeah. And that that would not have ended well for him. The fake Jedi. Vader would have been fine. <laughs> I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of a droid presence. Yeah. But overall I thought it was it was fun, it was good. We didn't mention the lady officer. Oh right, right. She was pretty good. She was kind of the underground railroad equivalent. Yeah. And I thought that was well done. What I loved about her was when she got into a situation where she knew she was facing someone who could tell if she lied. So she lied with the truth. Yep. Mislead with the truth. It was brilliant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought that character was well done. It was a shame that was not a character that is going to have a long future Yeah, in the franchise. And it was one of those that we were watching. It's like, we've seen her in something else before. Turns out she was in the second Human Target series. Yeah. So I thought that was that was interesting. Yeah, they had a, a couple of characters that were uh, fun like that. But I don't know that they built up quite the community that, say, Mandalorian has. Yeah, I would agree with that. Now, granted, six episodes versus, what, 20 for Mandalorian? Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a little of, of that to be had, too. But I think they were also a lot more focused on established characters just earlier in their lives here. Though both shows center on guys who act like they'd rather be a hermit. Yep. And there are a couple of other shows that could spin out of this. I mean, give it five, six years, you could do a, a Princess Leia series leading up to how does she wind up there at the beginning of the, the first, you know, original uh, release of the film. Yeah. It's always annoying to have to be careful how you refer to the trilogies because some people would say, well, the first trilogy, that's the, the prequel. No, no, the, the first one is the original one that was parts four, five, and six. You know, yeah. just again, doing things out of order. So annoying. But at least they're they're doing some fun live action stuff for Star Wars. And if this isn't kind of checking the right boxes for somebody on a Star Wars TV show, granted, there are, I think, more exciting, better stories that obviously could always be told. But this has all the things that are iconic, old school Star Wars yeah. to be had. So if it's not checking the boxes, you got the wrong checklist. Yeah. I would agree with that. So it was fun. I'd like to see more. Mm -hmm. I hope if they do come back, they've got a, a really good game plan for a second season. Agreed. Anything else? I think that does it. Cool. The show notes and forum for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.